switch it in! The U.S. go up! What a goal from Carlos Bocanegra! Boy, to try a long hit! What a goal from Moy! This is spectacular! It's hit with no regard for humanity! Is this the moment for Shakiri? Yes, it is! Switzerland! And Shakiri has scored in the 90th minute! That was worth the price of admission alone! This is Soccer Matters, brought to you by the Daspit Law Firm, daspitlaw.com. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Glenn Davis. All right, a big thank you to John Davis the Daspit Law Firm for all the special FIFA World Cup coverage that we have been doing here on the Horn. And a big thank you to everybody at the station, all the producers, uh, everybody, including Aaron Bucky in the morning that, that have had me on the shows uh, I was on with Rod and Mike on Ball Don't Lie as well. Big thank you to everybody for getting in on this World Cup and what a final we had. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. And again, a big shout out for the special FIFA World Cup coverage uh, brought to you by DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710. They're bilingual. John and his firm, personal injury attorneys, they will handle your case. And they get soccer on the airwaves as well. Uh, so a great effort all around by everybody. Uh, was on with uh, Bucky and Aaron this morning. We had a lot of fun uh, on that show. They did reveal that my niece is married to Derek Jeter, which I it shocked me because I thought we were talking World Cup, and uh, they brought me on, so that was pretty funny. Um, anyway, we are talking about Lionel Messi. We are not talking about Derek Jeter. Um, and I'm putting this out here right now. Is this the greatest World Cup final ever? Um, is this the greatest sporting event you have ever seen? Number to call in, 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the number. Again, 512-447-ESPN. All right, I'm going to go to producer Corey Guidry. Corey, you watched uh, large portions of this game. What were your impressions of it? Man, you know, just as a um, more of a casual viewer, I was just so, um, you know, entrenched in the game because just – First of all, it had the star power, right? Talk about Messi, Mbappe, and just not only the fact that you had the big stars, but also both of them, you know, performing and scoring uh, as much as they did themselves. It was it was a fantastic sporting event all around, especially, you know, when you take in all of the um, passion and emotion from all the people across the world. It, it was just, uh, yeah, it was just a great game, um, the best soccer game I've ever seen, and uh, it was certainly amazing to watch. So is that one now that will get you to watch more games or get you to an Austin FC game? Uh, you know, what type of an impact does it have on you for the future when it comes to how you look at the game of soccer and watching it potentially more? Cert- certainly does. And um, I think, you know, with me being in Austin now and Austin FC here, uh, that has, you know, made a big impact as well. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's, I'm definitely becoming getting more and more into it, um, you know, as we go. And just the just the star power of that game was really – it reminded me of, like, an NBA game with, like, you know, Kobe, LeBron, or someone like that. Just, just You could just feel the star power between those two guys, but also everyone else on the teams. Yeah, Messi versus Mbappe was the big sell. They score five out of the six goals, make ridiculous plays. This game had an incredible story, yeah. Uh, the way this this played out in this game. So let's kind of go uh, back over it a little bit. And again, uh, I, I want any World Cup commentary from anybody tonight uh, who would like to call in 512-447-3776. I'd like your impressions on the tournament. Um, I want your impressions on the final. 
if you liked it or not, was this the biggest sporting event um, you have ever witnessed uh, when it comes to just the most impressionable? And, you know, supposedly 4 billion people around the world watch this. Now, I don't know if that's an accurate number because there's 8, million, 8 billion people in the world. To have half the world watching it is, is what was put out there. Um, and you had France trying to go back-to-back, winning two straight World Cups. That's the big storyline going in, along with Lionel Messi. Can he finally, you know, win this title? So pre-match, I'm doing my homework. We get reports that Argentina are going to go to a back five and, you know, um, they're going to change their tactics a little bit under Scaloni. And believe me, I'm going to talk about Scaloni tonight. But pre-match, we get reports that Argentina would go to a back five. The minute I see on Di Maria in the starting lineup, I'm figuring, okay, Argentina is going to come out aggressive. They're going to press. Um, they want to be up high up the field so that they can get Di Maria the ball in good areas and force Dembele to defend. Now, now this was putting Di Maria on the left side was a tactical genius move by Lionel Scaloni, the Argentine manager, who, by the way, took heavy, heavy criticism from his own countrymen, his own press um, prior to this World Cup, including Diego Maradona, who was actually very nasty to this guy, if we're really being honest. And I don't think Maradona wanted this guy to be successful because I think part of Maradona's life, as much as I loved him as a footballer, and any Argentines listening tonight, I'm not taking a shot here, but I don't think he wanted to see Argentina uh, win with, with, with a Messi if he were here. I, 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 I just felt it was always defending his legacy. And I did have his, uh, his nephew on the show last week in Houston, and, and I can tell you a little bit about that. Uh, you can also get that interview w- with Diego Lopez Maradona, who's uh, the nephew of Diego Armando Maradona, the World Cup winner. That's at uh, ESPN975.com if you want to hear that. But that, that's very interesting. Uh, so anyway, back to Scaloni. Tactical genius to put Di Maria on the left to challenge Dembele and make him defend. Now remember, again, this was a manager maligned. Um, and after the Saudi Arabia loss, he made a number of changes to the lineup going into the Mexico must-win game. Remember, that was a must-win game where it could have been two and out for Argentina. And this is about the journey of the group, you know, group play and getting to a World Cup final. And we do know that the game prior to the World Cup final, the 3-0 win against Croatia, that was the best game up to that point that Argentina had played. And then that 45 minutes... That first 45 minutes, and, and really up until the 79th minute, complete control. Um, so he makes a ton of changes after the Saudi Arabia game. He also turned uh, Julian Alvarez into a starter, which worked like a charm. Now, remember, Julian Alvarez is at Manchester City, gets some minutes, but, you know, he's behind Erling Holland. Inside two minutes into this game, DePaul and Rabio are, you know, just kicking the heck out of each other. High-pressing game. They destroy France in the first half from a footballing perspective. I don't think there's any question. Mbappe is silent. He's ghost-like. He's not getting much of the ball simply because Argentina has the ball. But even when they lose it, they're sharp to everything. They've got a great team shape. They seem highly motivated, highly prepared. Their ball possession is dominated. They're suffocating France when they lose the ball. And France is reeling. And this is key for me. You know, people always say, oh, well, possession, you know, possession, yes, it has to lead to chances. It has to have a purpose. 
Um, that's one of the things you often hear people say, possession with purpose. Yes. But it also allows you to keep your, your, your team shape and organization as a team. And it also allows you um, to dictate to an opponent. And that is what Argentina did, really, for 79 minutes, and certainly to a large, large degree in the first 45. So then we get Dembele, uh, or Dembele, it works. Di Maria is going at that side of the field, uh, and he gets one on one with Dembele, right? And somewhere else is Kunde. He's not there, so it's a one on one with him on the. And if you go back and watch the way Dembele goes, and it's like it's like a kid at a, at a youth game going into a tackle, uh, just sticks a kind of leg out, and Di Maria gets around him, and then Dembele just fouls him. And to the penalty spot we go in the twenty third minute. And Corey, if we can pull this Leo Messi penalty kick, this would put Argentina up one nil. Out the first half of the first half played in the World Cup final. How many billions of eyeballs are watching these two men 12 yards apart? Messi scores! Okay, so there it is. It's 1-0. That's a 12th World Cup goal for Messi. Messi, 97th for Argentina. 36th minute, we get another goal. And this is just an incredible transitional piece here. Messi starts it off um, with an outside of the football. And by the way, why does the use of the outside of the foot in passing the ball or, you know, changing direction off the dribble always look better on Argentine players? I, I, I don't know why that, that, that's a fact. Well, no, it's not a fact, but it's, it's, it's something I see. It jumps out to me. Um, and I think the answer is simply because they use the outside of their foot more and you know, there's a great idea for youth developers. Let's get youth uh, to use the outside of their foot more. Disguise their passes, right? Well, that's what Messi does. This attack is painting beautiful uh, passes over the pitch. And yes, I said pitch. And Di Maria comes ghosting in at the far post. I don't know where Kunde and Dembele are. They're nowhere in sight. He side foots it into an empty net. It's, it's simply gorgeous. It's 2-0. And here is what that second goal from Angel Di Maria in the 36th minute, sounded like. Messi pulling it Alvarez on the run. Alexis on the run. McAllister, Di Maria is on the far side. Here it comes, Di Maria! Wow, that was gorgeous. That was just simply a gorgeous goal. By the way, you got thoughts on the World Cup final or the World Cup overall in Qatar? Uh, give us a call. 512-447-3776. want to hear from you. Antoine Griezmann and Olivier Giroud subbed out in the first half. I mean, Griezmann, who knew, who knew where he was? He, again, because of the Argentine domination, is really out of it. So we're on to the second half. It's 2-0. Argentina positioned perfectly. The storyline with Messi winning it, playing out. Di Maria gets subbed off in the 64th. Argentina, you know, it's more of a defensive sub. And then it changes. And I mean, it changes, as you saw, like the Texas weather. 79th minute penalty. Uh, Mbappe will go to the spot here. He'll get the first of his three in this one. And here's what it sounded like. Members of the 86 winning team here as well. All the speed from Colomani. From Col he dragged down. Penalty. 
feels the contact all over the back of his legs. It's a penalty. And Mbappe scores. Martinez got a hand to it. Martinez goes the right way, does get fingertips on it, but at the pace of it, takes it into the back of the net. All right, so two to one at this point. It's game on. Uh, and then Mbappe with an incredible give and go started with his head. He gets in behind Argentina, and I mean, he just, he lashes it into the far side netting. I mean, this is clinical finishing. This is finishing with authority. This is a goal that's got wow factor, and it's now 2-2. Here's what it sounded like. Trying to find Mbappe now. He'll steer it back inside. Tarot! Mbappe! So Argentina now looks wobbled like like a fighter against the ropes. And you're saying this after, my gosh, they have dominated. They have controlled this game. And in the blink of an eye, Mbappe has made it two to two. And Mbappe now is looking. I mean, to me, he's looking when I'm watching this game and I'm standing up at this point. He's looking dangerous every time he gets on the ball. He's slashing to his right with the outside of his foot. It's explosive. It's unstoppable. You get the sense that he's going to score a goal literally every time he gets on the ball. He's that dangerous. Um, that goal came in the 81st minute to make it 2-2. So that's two goals in 97 seconds. So we're on to extra time. And in extra time, there's chances at either end. Lionel Messi in the 108th minute, okay, will make it 3-2. to two. TL, Messi. He's way offside, lifted forward. Latour Martinez is going to get to that one, knocks it down for Messi. Into the middle, Fernandez. Latour Martinez, save Messi! Clear away, did it cross the line? Did it cross the line? Yes, it did! <laughs> it did cross the line. That was, that was pretty obvious. I, and there, there was no shout for offside there. People were trying to say there was offside. No. So it's now 3-2. to two. But you know what? I'm at home going, no, there's another goal in this game. Somebody else is going to score because it – it's remaining pretty wide open here, despite the fact that at the end, uh, Argentina had 54% of the possession and more shots and more shots on goal. There's dangerous chances for both, both teams. And guess what happens? Another penalty. And guess who's going to the penalty spot? It is in the 118th minute. That's two minutes before this was over. Mbappe makes it 3-3. Swinger from him in deep and flicked away. Mbappe, that was blocked. Was it a hand block? And it was penalty for France. Montiel, it's Montiel. Look, it's 100% a penalty. Now the 118th minute. Yes! So then we would go on to penalty kicks. But before we go on to penalty kicks, don't forget that uh, Emiliano Martinez made a huge save in a one-on-one where it would have been over. That came about a minute after that penalty to tie it. So we go to penalty kicks. Uh, France starts off. Mbappe scores. Martinez gets a hand on it. Messi comes up, and he just basically passes it in. It's it's pretty sick with the inside of his foot. Just passes it in. Um you know, some people were, oh, why, why would you have Messi shoot first and not fifth? Because you know he's going to make it. And you don't want to risk that you don't score a penalty. Um, Kingsley Coman comes up. Martinez saves. Um, and he's, you know, doing all the tricks in goal now. Uh, it's, it's, it's a huge save right there. It's a huge boost 
confidence-wise. And for me, and, and I think a lot of people, we thought Emiliano Martinez in goal for Argentina had the uh, huge edge over Hugo Lloris in goal for, for France. So Coman is saved. Dybala comes up, only played 16 minutes in the game. Think about that. You only play 16 minutes, and then you have to come in and take one of these penalties. Unbelievable. Dybala hits it. It's 2-1 Argentina. Chiuameni comes up, pulls his shot wide. Um, Paredes scores. Lloris got a hand on that one. It's now 3-1 Argentina. Colo Muane got one for Argentina. But with Gonzalo Montiel, who, by the way, conceded that last penalty, Montiel redeems himself, steps up. Here's the final penalty goal. And this is Andreas Contour, who is Argentine, colleague of mine, and, and many. Um, we all know him, the legendary broadcaster. Uh, you wait to hear the emotion in this. But here's Gonzalo Montiel with the goal. Va Montiel! 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 Nobody on Telemundo is ever going to say to Andreas Contour, you can't root for your home country. I mean, he called the game unbiased, no question. But what a moment for him uh, in absolute tears, shouting over and over, Argentina champions of the world. So it's a third star over their jersey. It's a third World Cup. Um, It's the youngest manager since 1978, Lionel Scaloni. And it's just amazing, amazing drama. Um, I don't think anybody who watched that game, uh, you know, I heard something here in Houston that the Texans were playing and they had the game on the scoreboard and then they turned the game off as it was still going on. And like the crowd started to boo and kind of got upset, right? But they were trying to play the NFL game and it was time to, you know, it was go time for the NFL. Uh, Enzo Martinez got the golden glove. He's the top goalkeeper. You know, there's some debate over that. I think Dominic Livakovic of Croatia was absolutely outstanding. So was uh, the Moroccan goalkeeper, Bono. But we'll get into some of the top players in the tournament as well. Uh, give us a call, 512-447-3776. I want to talk about Scaloni. I want to talk about this World Cup overall. There is some hypocrisy in this. Um, you know, Messi drops to his knees uh, uh, when that Montiel penalty goes in. Players surround him. You get the iconic images of him holding the cup up like Pelé. Somewhere in the world, Cristiano Ronaldo can't stand watching this, if he is watching it. Former Argentina striker Gabriel Batistuta is crying. Another former Argentine striker, Cunegero, is seen celebrating. You know, that was cool to see ex-national you know, team players so happy for the current group. It tells you about the Argentine culture. And then there's a shot at the end of the game. And the players are all standing in an area in a circle. And they kind of break away. And who's in the middle sitting on the ground with his two kids is Lionel Messi. And it is so genuine and authentic. In a world where you have people posturing and running to get places so that they can get 
you know, the eyes of the camera and, 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 and run with the attention. And I'm looking at this with him, and, and, and he looks so genuinely interested in his kids. He's not being distracted. His eyes are right on them. And I'm sitting here going, God, this is amazing. This is the authenticity of this guy. This is the genuine nature of him. And that's why the whole world was rooting for him, or a lot of the world. Let's put it that way. But I just thought it was so genuine, so authentic. Um, and, it, and it tells you a lot about the man. It, it, it really does. And for me, I know sport is different now. And, you know, you have social media and you have people trying to build their brands and pushed by, you know, manufacturers to push and do things online. I get it. I mean, look, I, I, um, I want to repay my sponsor the best I can. DaspitLawAustin.com, right? No, no question. But Messi's honesty and, and genuine nature, uh, something special. And he's doing it there, and you're thinking, man, half the world is watching this right now. And it's as though he doesn't even know it. $42 million prize for Argentina. And I want to institute a rule, no politicians on the field immediately after games. Uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. 512-447-3776. Give us your thoughts on the World Cup. Give us your thoughts on Argentina over France. And uh, we'll take a break here. It's all presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. DaspitLawAustin.com. 512-865-6710. John and his firm, personal injury attorneys, they're going to handle your case, whether it's car, boat, motorcycle, uh, you name it. You need good representation. You get it from the best. It's DaspitLawAustin.com. Com. We'll take a break. $42 million to the Argentine FA. Well, Stranglehold, that is exactly what Argentina did, especially in the first 45 minutes to France. It's pretty uh, impressive. All right, they claim 4 billion people watched that World Cup final. I would like your uh, thoughts. 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the number to call in here tonight as uh, we continue on. Um, yeah, what a win for Argentina. What a game. It's, uh, it's, I'm still processing this, and I told uh, Bucky and Aaron this morning the same thing, that you know, I woke up last night just thinking about this game, moments in the game, little subtle tactical moves that coaches made. Um, just an, an amazing watch. And to think that we have the World Cup here in the United States four years from now, boy, what that can do, again, that every four-year bump you get with the World Cup, and this time it'll be on our soil. Um, so many good stories in this World Cup. Croatia, Morocco were great stories. Uh, you know, nobody expected Morocco to do what they did with their ho head coach, Walid Regragi. Um, number of really talented players for them. We'll talk about them. Roman Seis and Atraf Hakimi. Seis was injured for their uh, semifinal match, which was, I think, kind of sad. Um, Croatia was good. Kovacic was excellent. Uh, Brozovic, uh, you know, Luka Modric. What can you say? Uh, their goalkeeper, Dominic Lavakovic, exceptional uh, as well. 
All right. Uh, again, 512-447-3776 is the number to call in. 512-447-3776. Argentina 4-2 on penalty kicks. Uh, Lionel Scaloni, their head coach. He said, quote, I can't believe we have suffered so much in a perfect game. And there were people suffering when all of a sudden it was 2-2. of the possession went to Argentina, 20 shots, 10 on target. Real chances. Uh, By the way, Lautaro Martinez had a number of really good opportunities. Could not produce, which uh, I would also say kind of validates the move by Scaloni to begin to start Julian Alvarez in this tournament. Ten shots, five on goal for France, but many of those were dangerous, including uh, a one-on-one, which Martinez came up with, uh, stabbed it with his leg to make a save. 45 total total fouls. So that would sound a little high if it was just a 90-minute game, but that's over the course of 120 minutes. Argentina navigating. These World Cups are journeys. I remember a long time ago, and I can't remember who said this, but they talked about World Cups and how every team has an off game, and you just have to hope the off game doesn't cost you. And I remember him going on to describe the Netherlands and West Germany in the 1974 World Cup. That's going way back. And he went on to say that the Netherlands had their off game in the World Cup final against Germany. And that is for a team that was up 1-0 inside I think the first two minutes of the game, they, they strung together like 20-something passes. Cruyff got fouled in the penalty area. Niskins hit the penalty, and they were up 1-0, and, and Germany had not touched the ball. And they would go on to lose 2-1. to one. But Scaloni came up with some really great tactical moments. He changed the team after the shock loss against Saudi Arabia. He was getting totally criticized after that game, Right? Argentina, they don't uh, pull punches when it comes to to criticism, and it's not always healthy, by the way. So he brings on Angel Di Maria in this final for Leandro Paredes. And again, it's a great tactical move, plays him on the left. It it clearly pays dividends. Dembele concedes a penalty. He's forced to defend. He can't attack. Uh, he, He commits... You know, the foul that leads to the penalty kick and Dembele is subbed out. France did not have a shot until 71 minutes into this game. Agony, ecstasy. It, you know, 79th minute, it, it begins to look like a heavyweight boxing match. France starts with Loris. Kunde at right back. Varane, Upamakano. Varane had to go off. He basically took himself off. He had a good tournament, by the way. Hernandez, the left back. Very good tournament for France. Number 22. Shuamani and Rabiot. Okay, Rabiot was sick. Came back in the lineup. Now, if you think of those two men, and you remind yourself that no N'Golo Conte, no Paul Pogba. If Conte and Pogba were available, they likely would have been the starters. And those men would not have had the minutes they did in the World Cup. And those two men played exceptionally well. 
they were overwhelmed in the final, certainly in the first 45 minutes. You, they, they couldn't get a grip of midfield against Argentina. Then you go up front with Olivier Giroud. Benzema would have been there. So you just think of these moments, you know, when somebody gets injured, gets ill, uh, and then someone else gets an opportunity, and they thrive in it. And it happens so often. It happens in the World Cup. Remember Chris Armas? Tore his knee right before going to the World Cup for the United States. In came a man named Pablo Mastroeni. Had a great World Cup. Thrust into the limelight because your normal holding midfielder uh, tore his knee up. And think about that. Chris Ormus never played in the World Cup. You wonder how often that pops up in his mind. Oof. I mean, that's a, that's a tough one to stomach if, if, if you're an athlete. Then it was Dembele, Griezmann, and Mbappe who were basically erased in the first half. And Giroud. Mbappe rarely got the ball. We didn't know he was out there. Griezmann, who had an outstanding tournament, got subbed out in the first half. Dembele, or Dembele was back defending with Kunde trying to handle Di Maria, who just was a dribbling wizard, was bringing the width for Argentina. Remember, he plays on the right a lot as an inverted winger as well. I'm, I'm a guy who loves width. I want width in my attack. Um, I'm not as big a fan as the inverted winger, and part of the reason why I'm not is because I think it leads to more interesting games. Um, le leads to higher uh, tempo attacks, I think. Maybe a little bit more direct sometimes with a wide winger to spread the game out. Uh, so that was the 11 for France. Uh, as I mentioned, Di Maria comes in. McAllister, fantastic. What an unsung hero for Argentina. Plays for Brighton, Hove, and Albion. There may be a few more people watching their games now in the Premier League. What a, what a game, what a tournament he had. Enzo Fernandez, one of the breakout stars of this tournament. We're going to talk about him in a bit. Uh, DePaul. Huge work ethic. And Di Maria in midfield. Martinez in goal. Left back was Tagliafico. Otamendi conceded a penalty but had an outstanding tournament. I thought he was beyond it, honestly. I, I, he, he had a very solid tournament with Romero, the two center backs. And then Molina was the right back. And then Alvarez and, and Messi up front. Excellent. But right from the start in this, Di Maria, he got 100% Dembélé to defend. 100%. Uh, fantastic. Uh, just incredible tactical move by the head coach Scaloni. You may think, oh, it's easy. Just put him on the field. But, you know, a lot of thought has to go into these things. Putting Di Maria on the field meant you were going to play a specific way. So let's talk uh, a little bit about some of the top players in the tournament. Lionel Messi. He's now in history. First off, he's in Argentine history. 
because now he has gotten the coveted World Cup. He led the team to glory. Outstanding tournament. Checks that one last box. So anybody who says he's the greatest ever, he's certainly amongst them based on his body of work and the success and the trophies and the Champions League. But now to put the cherry on the top of the cake with the World Cup means a lot. Uh, so he's right up there now with Pelé and Maradona. Pelé won three World Cups from 58 to 70. He won three, and he won back-to-back. 58, he was a 17-year-old teenager in Sweden. Now, I know what you're saying out there. Oh, the game was different. Yes, it was. It was. The game was completely different. The game was different when Maradona played it to when Lionel Messi played it. Yes, the game was different. But remember, they were the best of the best then, going up against their contemporaries. So when you begin to, you know, when you begin to try to compare the two eras or the different time periods that people have played with soccer progressing forward and modernizing and tactics changing and athletes care changing, it's very, very different. I'm going to come back and we're going to do a little comparison with Messi and Diego Maradona. Well, you got to love Foghat. Got to love Foghat. Anybody over in Qatar that wants to call in tonight and tell us about your experiences? 512-447-3776. Soccer Matters here on the Horn in Austin, Texas. Presented by DaspitLawAustin.com. 512-865-6710. 512-865-6710. They are bilingual. It's DaspitLawAustin.com. Big thank you to everybody at the Horn. Producers, hosts, for really buying into this World Cup coverage. Take a break. we got more to come. All right, welcome back to Soccer Matters here on the Horn in Austin, Texas. Brought to you by DaspitLawAustin.com. Corey behind the glass. Uh, 512-865-6710 for Daspit Law Austin. They'll handle your case. Get in a car accident, boat, motorcycle. you got to get representation. Nobody wants to have any of these problems. But there are times you need representation. You need the best. It is DaspitLawAustin.com. Again, 512-865-6710. 6710 By the way, France got a hero's welcome coming back to Paris uh, after the loss. Uh, the depth of France is, is pretty unbelievable, but boy, were they outplayed uh, in that first half especially. Um, there is a U.S.-led investment fund called Eagle Football, and they have bought a majority stake in League One team Leon. Um, so there you go. John Texter, an American, now holds 77.49% of Leon on a non-diluted basis and 86.57% in concert with Holnest on a fully diluted basis. Uh, so their board composition will change. There's all kinds of talk here about shareholding structure and things, but I guess the most important thing here, it's a U.S.-led investment fund and firm. Um, Eagle football. That's uh, kind of the way it's going. 
Boy, football is monetized now. It is commercialized. Uh, this is uh, where it is now. Argentina declared a national holiday. If you haven't seen some of the images, you got to go and see the images of, of people in downtown Buenos Aires. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, Christian Pulisic has come out. He has mentioned uh, he's still haunted of the chance he missed against the Netherlands. Remember, two minutes in. Daily Blinds kept Pulisic on side. And we all know what goals can do. And let's face it, um, the U.S. scored that goal. Something different potentially could have happened, although I thought this was a fatigued U.S. going into that round of 16 game uh, against the Netherlands. But Pulisic had a chance to put him up. Third minute, I think. Goalkeeper Andreas Nopert made the one-on-one -on -one save. Um. He said, quote, had I finished that chance, the game goes differently, Pulisic said on Tim Ream's podcast. Quote, I would love that back. I still think about it. It's a learning experience. I think there's a reason why it didn't go in. Things happened the way it did. It all happens for a reason. Denzel Dumfries, by the way, that was a big game for him. I think he had a goal and two assists for the Netherlands. Um Pulisic went on to say, I think most significant takeaway is that the, you know, the experience that a lot of the team now has under its belt. Um, quote, coming back here with my Chelsea teammates, for example, they're all talking about, quote, you guys actually have a good team. We didn't know. You guys look good. You guys look good against England. You guys have a strong team. Quote from Pulisic says, I knew we had a strong team. Once everyone kind of came together, you could see that. And also now with the World Cup in the States and next time around, I think these experiences are important. Just love the maturity and the way um, Pulisic handled himself. Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, uh, Weston McKenney, Anthony Robinson, Serginho Dest. Uh, as young players, um, you know, you got your goalkeeper now and Matt Turner. Um, got to find a striker. No question about it. But, uh, boy, to think that this group of guys has that exp experience. Um, it's pretty remarkable going into this next World Cup. Tenth minute was Memphis Depay, if you remember. Daly Blinn got the one, that, that, that second one right before halftime off a throw, and that was a killer. Um, but it was a tired U.S. Uh, they fell asleep on a number of different moments in that first half and in that game mentally. Um. Uh, and I think they blew way too much out in the group stages. They weren't able to rotate. Um, so there you go. All right. Now, let's get back to what I was going to talk about with Diego Maradona and Lionel Messi. So when Maradona played, and in 86 won the World Cup, obviously there was the whole hand of God against England, uh, Malvinas, Falklands, remember that war? Um so there was a lot politically going on as well. And when Maradona played the game, I mean, you could brutalize people. I mean, you know, the, the number 10s, you know, got the you-know-what kicked out of them back then. They, they did not have the protection that Elena Messi has now. Another comparison that might have favored Maradona back then, though, was that you generally had a little bit more time on the ball. Maybe you had an additional yard or half a yard, which to a player like Messi or Maradona, 
is is like 10 yards to us normal people. And Messi gets more protected, but Messi has to play in a modern game now that, you know, you have very little time on the ball. That's why, for me, what he did in this uh, this final was remarkable. I mean, there were moments where it was like two against five, and, you know, he's doing a pirouette on the ball. He's allowing somebody to join with him. Now you're 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 playing against five opponents and it's two of you, and he somehow finds this person, runs off him, gets the ball back, and comes out of a maze of five people going to goal. I mean, it really is remarkable, and a lot of it comes down to his just innate technical skill. It's razor sharp. It's precision. He's built so low to the ground. He's explosive over a yard and a half, whatever it is. Just scoots, changes tempo and speed explosively and he has this gift of scanning which you know he sees things and more possibility better and more acute than a normal person it's called scanning and then to process that and make decisions as quick as he does um, it is it is absolutely crazy so when he went away to Barcelona I think at 14, you think about this. He did not stay in Argentina. So there was always this kind of love, uh, hate with him that, you know, he's not totally Argentine. He, he didn't play football in Argentina. Well, part of the reason my understanding is, is that Barcelona was going to pay for these steroids because he was small. He was this little kid who was running through everybody with a ball, scoring a boatload of goals. And, you know, River Plate or Boca Juniors did not want to pay for that and keep this young talent here. So in comes Barcelona, and the rest is history. And next week, I'm going to try to get uh, or one of our future shows, Jordi Sunier in Barcelona, who works for TV3. I'm going to try to get him on the show uh, just to talk about the reaction in Spain and Barcelona, which I'm, I'm sure is very, very interesting. Uh, but... You know, that's why he didn't start his career, you know, with a Boca or, or a River Plate in Argentina. And the rest is history. So many Argentines did not consider him, you know, the, the, the full Argentine package because, you know, he left for Barcelona at 14, whereas Aradona, you know, he was... Uh, you know, a Boca player, et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, Maradona also played at Barcelona, did not have the success Messi had uh, at all. And, you know, you can talk about Maradona off the field. Um, you know, as much as I felt sorry for him in a lot of ways, um, he also became a caricature, I think. You remember that World Cup where he was just jumping up and down in Brazil and you know you get through the group stages beating a bunch of teams and then we all went oh okay you're going to play Germany now see you later Diego five goals later Thomas Muller I think had three two or three and that was it Messi's done it he's the World Cup hero he has led Argentina to the title they are in a national holiday now it was a final of all finals. It was fantastic. Great for the game. Great for us to watch it and to be alive to see 
the likes of Messi playing the game. That does it tonight. Big thanks to producer Corey. Don't forget, uh, hornfm.com is where you get the podcast of Soccer Matters. Hope you tune into those and listen to them. Uh, big reminder, a big thank you to John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm, daspitlawaustin.com, 512-865-6710. They are bilingual. Car accident, boat, motorcycle, you got to get John Daspit and his firm on it. It's daspitlawaustin.com. Big friends of the game of football, soccer. It is daspitlawaustin.com. For producer Corey, I'm Glenn Davis. Until next time, remember, soccer matters. <laughs>